and what we do collectively in the coming months and years, I believe, will determine the fate of humanity, literally. And what, what you do now with your family will have an impact for generations to come. So I say, why not be the one to break the cycles of scarcity in your family tree? Why not step up with your ideas and your inspiration and make something manifest in this world that is of substance and value for your children and their children? Hello, everyone. Welcome, welcome to another episode of the Otto Gomes Show. My name is Otto Gomes. I'm your host. And today we have a very special guest all about some stuff that I know will resonate with you and some action steps for you to start taking in your life to take back that power and control of your digital legal version that they that these systems, you know, quote unquote, have control over. Uh, Jesse is a former U.S. Marine and firefighter who traded his childhood dream job for a one-way flight to Costa Rica. He's an entrepreneur, freedom fighter, truth seeker, and crypto enthusiast, now the head coach and chief freedom architect with Abundance Codes, helping conscious entrepreneurs and leaders build wealth for their families using the cheat codes of credit. His mission is help as many families as possible, stay forever healthy, wealthy, and free Ladies and gentlemen, Jesse Simpson. <laughs> Got to put the applause in there. How you doing, brother? I'm doing good, Otto. Thanks so much for having me on. Thanks for the introduction. Really excited to connect you here with you and your audience. Yes, I am very excited about that. So let's get right into it. I really just want to know about you, your past, your journey to this point, and why you chose this path. So first question is, what has been your hero's journey until this point? And specifically, what was that red pill moment that shook you out of the matrix? <laughs> yeah, that's, um, that's a great question. Almost had like a flood of red pill moments coming through on, on me on that. Uh, but as you said, I'm a Marine Corps combat vet. I was a firefighter. That was my, my childhood dream job. I was in seventh grade on 9-11. Really troubled youth. Uh, I, um, yeah, I was kicked out of school many times kicked out of my home as a freshman and really didn't have anywhere to land but it was the events on september 11th that gave me something to serve that was larger than myself and i really latched on to this idea of of freedom and drove my life towards being a marine and i served on three deployments served in combat in afghanistan in 2010 and i really drank the american kool-aid at that point um transitioned out of that struggled through that but um Picked up with the fire department here in Arizona in 2014 and really then started to learn about the military industrial complex mm -hmm. and learned about Halliburton's eight, no bid, $8 billion contract for oil wells in Iraq. And it just, you know, I was too young to understand when I was in the Marines and before, but then I started to just get a feel for, yeah, all the money that's involved and why we are doing what we're doing and it's not really for what we what what they say and um that really took me back a step but i kept pushing forward um got my childhood dream job as a firefighter uh and it didn't take long until i got to see firsthand that you know the vast majority of calls as a firefighter the vast majority of calls are medical the vast majority mm -hmm. of those are mental health in nature Three percent of of calls are actual fires, right? So there's a sort of like idea of a firefighter, but really we're 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 first responders going to medical calls most often, and it didn't really um it really it really pulled on me a lot because I, I was very conflicted at this point. I had um my whole life set in front of me to be a firefighter. That's all I knew, but when I got to see that we were going on suicides, overdoses. Um, drunks and addicts in the streets. And I started to struggle with that. Um, my best friend from the Marines died of a heroin overdose. And then here I am going on heroin overdoses. And I'm just being reminded of this. Um, but along that pathway, what really supported me transitioning from military to fire service was becoming a volunteer. 
and working with troubled youth. And I was fortunate enough to go on this volunteer trip to Lima, Peru in 2013, the year before I got picked up by the fire service. And it really opened my mind. So this would be one of my first red pill moments when I got to go down there and see these kids who had like sticks and balls and dirt to play with, but the biggest smiles I'd ever seen, it really started to shift my perception on the United States of America when I realized that it's not this stuff, this propaganda that we're pushed, that's being pushed on us from a young age of material success and distractions that really brings lasting fulfillment in life. And that was strongly the case when I was with these kids who didn't have any material thing, but they were happy and they were free. So I came back, joined the fire service and set on this mission to help other veterans transition by starting a nonprofit and, and doing these different things, pairing them up with troubled youth. Um, around that time, I was being recognized for different awards, including the Arizona State Firefighter of the Year in 2017. But about a month after that, I um, I pulled the brakes on the nonprofit. I was really struggling with burnout at this point, working mm on the, the, the job of the fire department. We'll get up three, four or five times a night and I'm going right into uh, working on with meetings with the, with the nonprofit. And I just started to get burned out. Um, and then when I pulled the brakes on the nonprofit, it really, it really, it crushed me ultimately. Mm. And, and then the last straw for me was there was a, there was a machine gun shooting in Las Vegas, Nevada in October of 2017, where a guy opened up on uh, a, a crowd of country music concert goers. And mm -hmm. I wasn't there. Um, but I was a machine gunner in the Marine Corps and I've shot machine guns at other people all because I thought I was protecting my countrymen and doing it in the name of freedom. And now here we are, um, in the United States and other Americans are turning on Americans with that same weapon. Mm -hmm. So that really crushed me Otto, And, um, it really made me question everything about my life. Like, what am I, who am I, what am I doing? And ultimately over a few months after I really struggled through this, this dark depression, at one point I was a firefighter of the year, smoking weed at work. And I just, I just always thought about that flavor of, of Peru and that like real authentic experience of humanity when I was, when I was volunteering there a few years before and long story short, just decided one day, um, New Year's Eve going into 2018 that I was going to move to Costa Rica. And I was mm -hmm. in a, I was in a go on this adventure and over the coming months, I ended up June 26, 2018. I, at that point spent all spring selling on my stuff, sold my car, pretty much all my clothes and, and took a one-way flight to Costa Rica with no real plans of ever coming home. And I, I didn't have the words at the time. I just knew I was, I was being called. I was being called mm -hmm. to trade this, this, um, this, clear life path where I look forward to retirement and just kind of going maintaining the status quo in my life. I was being called to see the world and experience it all firsthand. And so I did that. I took this absolute adventure of a lifetime over two years, spent like two years backpacking with my wife through Central and South America, eight weeks backpacking through Europe, spent about a lot of time traveling through the, the United States. And, um, really just got to connect with the idea of a, a real idea of, of freedom to mm. go do what I choose to do, not what society expects of me, not what my parents want for me, but just go out and experience the world and come to my own conclusions. Mm. And that's what I did. And so that took us up to 2020, 2018 to 2020. I was traveling. We had more trips of abroad while, 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 um, then we, we were hit with COVID and I was actually in El Salvador mm -hmm. mid-March when COVID hit and I thought it was stupid. I was like, this is ridiculous. They were talking about closing all the flights down. There's like, there's no way this is going to happen. I was, I was in a bit of denial about that. Got the last flight of El Salvador, came back to the States, still was in a bit of denial, actually moved to um, Florida at that point and in summer of 2020 through 2021 and just really lived free. Like Florida... Anybody in Florida who's listening to this knows that like nothing really was going down in Florida was related to COVID. Mm -hmm. And um, I was building my business. I was hosting retreats in Columbia. Life was going on as as usual for me. And and then I actually got COVID. 
And mm. I, I traveled to, I traveled to, um, well, I went to the EMX or this convergence, Sacred Sons Convergence in, in mm. Portland, Oregon, and it would have been 2021. And for the first time when I was going out in town, um, I was going to go out to eat at a restaurant in Portland. Someone asked if I had a, you know, a card to get in to eat dinner. And that was the first time I was like, what do you mean? And, um, <laughs> wait, what? <laughs> yeah, I just, I didn't understand. Um, it was hard for me to, to, to be where they were at, but ultimately that that's another red pill. I'm like, wait, this is like segregation. It's happening right here. So I've had these multiple different, um, red pill moments that kind of built upon each other. And it really just pushed me forward on this path to freedom. Like, we're not free if we're being restricted in our home, if we're being told what we can or can't do. And I really dove in to understand why. I wanted to understand mm. why this is happening. And is it even like, like who gives these people the authority to tell us what we can and can't do with our family? Um, and, and actually, when I mentioned I got COVID, I actually ended up getting long haul COVID. And that just sent me like, it really set me back. It slowed me down on my business at the time. It made me sit on the couch and I started going deep in, in understanding what's going on in the world and mm -hmm. like how it's happening and, and why. And I, I would say that it was like, I've been down all the dark rabbit holes, but at one point I started to come out and I started to see that just as much as the mainstream media is pushing propaganda, the fear mongers on, on YouTube and, and all these things, they're doing the same thing. So I, mm -hmm. I really came with the idea, like it's it's time to walk the middle path, get clear on my role in this world. And although I would consider myself like always desiring to be on the front lines of freedom, Marines, fire service, and, and really just desiring to be of, of service to people in need, I didn't know what that looked like. And then I started digging deeper and mm -hmm. into the US history and understanding how we got to where we are, which led me to the banking system, which led me to debt, which led me to credit and ultimately has led me here. Um, so yeah, that's a bit of my journey up to this point and kind of where I'm coming from, Otto. Wow, powerful, powerful testimony and share there for your journey so far. First off, I wanna say thank you so much for your service as a Marine and as a firefighter. Two very, uh, um, you know, it's, it's like hero-centered uh, uh, careers, you know, that. Uh, are really the intention is to put your life on the line. So thank you for that and doing that, doing that work for yourself. And what I've heard, what I just heard you say, basically, if I can reflect back is that you became very aware of your physical, of who you are in this reality. And, and it wasn't matching the frequency or the vibration of what we were getting from mainstream or from these systems. And so that kind of drove you to, to figure out the middle line, like you said, you know, what, it, what is my role? Who am I in relationship to these systems? Um, exactly. I love that. And, you know, um, my next question was going to be, what was your experience with 2020 and, and how, did it, how did it become real for you personally? Uh, and I, I, hear, I hear, you know, you sharing that and, and how it was for you. Um, what would you say are your thoughts in general with everything that happened in this last couple of years? Like what actually happened here? What, what was actually happening in society in in our in our uh, perception of reality uh, based on your perspective yeah that's tough um and it's tough because i have the story of those rabbit holes i've been i've been down and i have um i try to stay away from all those things but they are they're, they're present they're always present for me yeah. but the way i look at it now is we have a, a split happening and, and what's been going on been since going on? 2020 and really before that. And that's, and I guess as you as talk about the red pill moments, the red pill moment was really getting into the U S history, which I'd love to get into a bit more on this and, and the banking system, how it works and then debt and then credit. So those are all major things. And what I've realized is that however I choose to look at this, it's all pointing to the, the same the same path and what i mean by that is it's it leads to responsibility and to answer your question straight away it's it's really m more control the mm -hmm. the powers that be that are orchestrating this and i believe it, it is an orchestrated a, a very well um 
coordinated. I don't know if that's the right word, but potentially, but also like an energy of control um, coming down mm -hmm. on on humanity. So we have a responsibility then as a freedom loving human beings, men and women to come together and move forward from this centralized, fear-based, control-based society into a new decentralized, freedom-based world. And mm -hmm. so however this shakes out or whatever is happening, either way, the outcome for me is very clear. Moving away from centralization into decentralization, moving away from control and into freedom. And, and that's what mm -hmm. I'm super excited to get into you about how debt and credit can play a role in that. And ultimately, I see this as my responsibility to bring BF service. This is my hero's journey. I've been on this journey. I'm here to bring this back and help people understand how they can use, literally use the chains of, of debt that have been meant to enslave us to create through credit our own freedom of this new world that we're building. I love this. So that's a great little segue and let's go, let's dive into it. Um, you know, one of the things that I hear often from, you know, truthers or freedom truthers is I'm done with the system. I'm out, cut ties. I'm going to go live in the jungle. I'm going to find regenerative resources. And that's great. That's great. I, I, I think that's a powerful move for someone to very, um, you know, taking back power like fully. I personally, I don't see myself doing that. I don't see myself being in the jungle and, and being in that, in that maybe for a week or two, <laughs> but I, yeah. I, I want to be Neo in the matrix. You know, I want to be able to kind of navigate both realities. And like you said, use the tools that are available to us in their system, in the matrix for our benefit. So my question is, what is credit? What is credit exactly? Why, why does it matter? Why does, why does any of that credit score system or credit cards or all that stuff, why does it matter to me? Yeah, 100%. And, and I'm with you on what you said as far as being here, being in the world, but not of the world and, and leveraging the systems that are here to our advantage. Um, I had a mentor at one point, actually, back in 2020-21, I was considering moving to Costa Rica and getting my wife, our dogs moving down there. But then a mentor told me, like, we need people here in the United States. And my perception of, of the United States, as much as I became disenfranchised with the American federal corporation that was sort of propagandized, like they dictated my life. I really had to break away from that then to come back from with a new perspective and realize that we as our country and what our founding fathers set in place through the constitution and their vision for us is, is a beacon of light for the world. And I believe that if America's Americans, America falls and Americans a mixing pot, I believe that. And we are here to come together, to look past our common differences, to step up and actually assert our rights and our freedoms that are God given. Um, so yeah, I, I really just feel like this is so important for Americans to take responsibility on and, and really hold their ground in, in these spaces. And, and if you, I mean, instead of, instead of running away, because we, mm -hmm. we need, we need you here now and we need, we need leaders, we need entrepreneurs, we need business owners to step up and really assert who they are, what they stand for here in the United States. Um, I listened to your podcast with, I think his name's Ian Smith recently. And he's, he's the embodiment of that, a small business owner asserting his rights and he's making a big impact. We need more people like that. Now to your question on credit, I think the, the easiest way to, to really look at this is debt is slavery. Credit is life. Credit is freedom. Mm. Now I also want to differentiate between like, there's like good debt, bad debt specific. What I'm, what I'm referring to in this is, is high interest credit card debt. Um, this is, well, let me, so let's go, let's break down the different types of debt and then I'll get to your, your question on credit, right? So just mm -hmm. for simplifying things, let's look at three different types of debt. All right. We have, we have mortgages, which will be fixed. There'll be fixed rate mortgages typically. Um, and they are your, your payment for, for 30 years, 15, 30 years. You, you know what that is? It's going to be fixed. It's a whole nother rabbit hole to go down that the, the mortgages are a creation of the, of banks to extract from us, right? But let's just set that part aside. Mortgages are fixed. You know what they are. You can afford that. Otherwise you wouldn't be approved and you're able to go. Um, now, cars, for example, a lot of people went out and bought these cars, 
probably paid way too much, but they were feeling good after the stimulus checks in 2020. Ideally, though, that interest rate is going to be fixed. So it is what it is. You need to be able to handle that. That's not getting to vehicle discharge and those sort of things. But again, let's just stay on on this because there's a lot of different rabbit holes we can go down. Now, getting to the third, the third debt, the credit card debt. This is variable interest rate debt. You can these these credit card companies, these banks can increase as inflation goes up and their costs become more expensive, and it becomes more difficult for the everyday Americans to afford eggs and bread. The credit card companies can increase their interest rates. So. I mean, if you think about like, I don't remember what it is exactly, but I think it's like $30,000 of debt, of credit card debt at like 20% paid off in 10 years, you're going to end up paying $45,000 in interest payments alone. Wow. All right. So, so this is, this is where it gets into this idea of like modern day slavery and the idea that debt is what keeps you stuck in the matrix because $45,000, I mean, the average, the medium wage in the United States is like 50K. But let's say you're making 100K. That means you're working six months of a year just to pay off the interest, the interest on credit card, your credit card debt, right? So it just starts this repeating cycle. And I don't know if anybody listening to this, I know I've been in the situation where I'm paying off credit card debt, like big chunks of it, but no matter what, at the end of the month, it's maxed out. Mm -hmm. and I get to take responsibility for that and simultaneously realize that the system is, is literally meant to enslave us, to trap us in this hamster wheel, pushing out profits to these banks who add no real value to our life um, and ultimately keep us stuck repeating those same cycles. All right, so I'm kind of getting off track. You asked about credit. I'm getting into debt, but I think it's important to understand the, the, the framing on debt, the different types of debt, and um, really grasp how the matrix is pushing down on us, making it impossible to, well, impossible to escape because we're burdened with debt. Yeah. Yeah, um, I, um, I, yeah. <clears throat> I saw recently it's called usury. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, oh, isn't that, slave, isn't that what slavery was? It's like, yes, that's exactly what it was. You, you, you offer something for nothing and then you skim off the top. Uh, that's exactly what's happened with the banks. But yes, please continue. What? What? So let's talk about credit. What is credit then? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's crazy once you learn about how the banks create money out of nothing and they charge you interest back on that money. Um, that's essentially what you're talking about. It's it's fraudulent. The whole, yeah. the whole debt system is based off of fraud. It's unconstitutional. And it's, there's so many reasons for that, um, which we can get into. But yeah, let's shift to credit. So, so credit, if debt's slavery, then what is credit? Credit is life. And the beautiful thing about credit, well, I think it's it's easy to start with credit score. Uh, a credit mm -hmm. score is something we all have. And if you really get into this, you understand, you kind of step back, credit, credit, debt, you see these both and you see credit score in the middle, which is kind of like telling you where you're at on that credit debt matrix. And at the end of the day, your your credit score is, I mean, it's 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 the the step below, you know, the social credit system. It 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 the lower your credit score, the higher it is to debt. So one of the first things people need to do when they're stepping into this world on, on finances is, is really is really evaluate where their where their credits at. And the beautiful thing about credit scores, and I can get into like what comes what what are the most important parts if that's relevant here. But ultimately, you need to have a good credit score because if you don't, then you're going to pay tens, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars more in interest payments alone over the course of your life. And remember, we're, we're mm -hmm. trying to be in the world, not of the world. We're trying to stay here in the United States and stand for our freedom, not go off to Costa Rica. So these things are still relevant. If we want to buy a house, if we want to get a car, we want to do these things. But the beautiful thing about this, and this is what Abundance Codes does, we we specialize in helping people get access to 100K or more in credit, which they can then use to start or scale a business, buy cash flowing real estate or other income generating assets. And so the way this looks is, you have a good you have a good credit score, and if you don't, and I, I know you've gotten into the course a little bit, Otto, and I'm, I think you said you're you're feeling feeling good about how we can remove anything from our credit score. And um, I'm gonna go. Yeah, I'm gonna get I, was, into, I, mean, I can share a little bit. I, I actually yeah. increased my credit score in, after one month of doing the process. 
uh, actually it was more, it's like 75 points almost very quickly, very quickly, because yeah. you, you know, once you hit those main ones, the, 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 the bad ones, I mean, the, the increase is almost dramatic. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And you're boosting your ability to take on more life with that. And, and so what you're, what you're mm -hmm. referring to with that is, uh, there's 15 us code 1681 B it states that any consumer reporting agency, and these are the big three, Experian, Equifax, TransUnion, may furnish a consumer report, that's your personal credit report, under the following circumstances and no other. You go down a little bit further, it says, in accordance with the written instructions of the consumer to whom it relates. All right, that's you and me. And these companies, these private companies are sharing our personal information. And if we didn't give them permission to do so, the law states that we have the right, if we choose to assert that right, to have anything removed from our credit score, period. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the beautiful things we always work with people on um, in abundance codes is we help them clean up their credit. It's such an important step. And then once your credit is clear and usually above 680, 700 is, is, is best, but 680 and above with under 10% credit utilization, no late payments, no collections. And again, just reaffirming that you can get anything removed from your credit score, late payments, collections, but also bankruptcies, foreclosures, literally anything you can get removed from your credit anything. score. Yes, hmm. exactly. All right. And now, so now where you're at, as your credit score is moving up, then you unlock access to greater credit. And so just like as the banks use, they loan, they make up money out of nothing, you know, and they charge you interest back on that. You can flip it around and take advantage of that by using that money that fake debt backed fiat system that has no real substance to buy hard assets and create wealth for your family. And that's the opportunity here. So essentially there's a, a, a system of setting up your structuring your credit in a way. And then you can also, just like you have a, a personal credit score, you can build your business credit. Hmm. Right. And so as long as you have good cre personal credit, you can start to build business credit, which will then, allow you access to 50, 100K or even more at 0% interest often from the banks. So again, you can take that money, that 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 fake money that has no value, but the banks are charging, at, at, eventually will charge you interest on it if it's a 0% the first 12 months. You can go up by cash flowing assets. So starting or scaling a business, uh, again, buying real estate, investing in crypto or um, stock market, whatever it is you decide to do, it's, you know, it's up to you ultimately. But the reality is that which is meant to enslave us can then set us free because it provides that real wealth that we need to have something of substance in the world. And then on top of that, we partner with Frontier Capital Trust and are offering private irrevocable trust to ensure that the people that are stepping into this arena, not only are they building assets, but they're staying with those assets or keeping them in the family for generations to come through the protection of the, the common law trust, the private irrevocable trust that, that we're establishing as well. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love this. I mean, I, I had a bunch of questions come in when you were saying all that. Um, so the first thing I got to ask is, uh, what is it exactly that's happening? You said that you said they're making money out of nothing. So what what's actually happening here? What what are we dealing with if it's not money? Yeah, this is this is where it gets into like a lot of the history. Um, it's what I'll first say is there's there's two books I highly recommend for anyone who really wants to get into this. And I, I've read a lot of books in the truth or sovereignty space that are, they have a lot of bark, but no real substance. But there's two that I've found that have really provided a lot of clarity into what's happening. And that being, there's one called Manual for Freedom, The Peaceful Sovereign's Path. And the other one's called Fruit from a Poisonous Tree. And Fruit mm -hmm. from a Poisonous Tree gets in deep into the history not conspiracy, but history. The guy's a former Marine, but also like a, a lawyer. And he gets deep into case law and goes all the way back to, I mean, the, well, the constitution and everything else, but it really all started um, in 19, I think it was 1913 when the federal reserve act came, came through mm -hmm. and, and just mind you, the, the idea of, of a central bank, I think it's important to back up a little bit. And I'm sure a lot of your audience gets this already, but it's important to understand the federal reserve is not federal. It's not a government organization. It's a private bank. It's a private central bank. 
owned by foreign interests, right? And on top of that, the United States is a federal corporation. It's a business. So once you kind of get into these things, you understand we're operating in commerce, we're operating in business contracts, and a lot of these things start to unwind once you really get that, and it's important. Um, it's important to understand, all right? So, I mean, yeah. the, um, yeah, I mean, the idea of money, when, when you're, when you're, Let's see. I'm trying to think of like the the summarized history of this because this this gets in this gets in pretty deep to all these things. But let's go back to the the Federal Reserve. Well, I'll right? I'll say this: if you guys yeah. are listening and you really want a prerequisite of the layering, I actually went through this on an interview with Aaron Apke. Uh, so if you guys check out my Aaron Apke interview, we actually go through some of these layers. So if you want to just say, "Hey, go check out the episode," and then just go from there, um, you can do that, or you can go in, into it if you like. Yeah, for sure. I think that's I think I think it's a great thing to do. And also, what I always recommend to people with this sort of stuff is that you get you get this information from different sources, you know, that feel aligned with where you're at, and you hear it multiple different times in in different ways because it's essentially an entire process for me. It's been an entire process of learning, unlearning everything that I thought was true about the world, and relearning what I believe is more connected to truth, what's more connected to freedom. But at the end of the day, what you're doing when you're going into a bank is you're, you're applying for a loan. The banks are making a credit that they're giving to on their balance sheet. They're giving that to you, but they're not giving you anything of real, of real value. They're just giving you, um, they're essentially giving you an IOU where you owe them for, for giving you nothing. And they're charging interest yeah. back on that thing. Yeah, one of the things I heard recently is essentially the signature. So when you go there and you sign, that is the collateral. They use that to then create the the money, create the 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 in the reserve level, and then they even fractionalize it back down to you. So the the amount that you allow them to print isn't even the 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 one to one of what you're actually getting. So it's like, you know, <laughs> scam on scam. <laughs> it almost feels like. Exactly. I mean, the whole, the whole thing is built on, the whole thing is built on fraud right from the beginning. If you go back to like Thomas Jefferson, the third president, one of our founding fathers, and, and just a side note on that, like I really connected with the fact that when Thomas Jefferson signed the declaration of independence in 1776, he was 33 years old, right? These are, these men were our age and mm. they were doing this, but I mean, he, he talked about the, the greatest threat to the liberties of Americans in the future is not some standing army, it's the central bank. And mm -hmm. he talked more and more about how that we have to do our rights, me and you, and all the freedom loving Americans that are listening to this have to assert our rights or they will be stripped from, from us. And it really gets into like this idea of collateral you're talking about. I think one of the things I wanna share right now is the my understanding of how this came to be one of the things that really got me was in 1933 fdr issued executive order 6102 right executive order 6102 required all u.s citizens to surrender their goal to the federal government all right so article one of section 10 of the constitution states no state shall make anything but gold and silver coin tender in payments of debts that's what it says in the constitution now there's a lot of ways we've been the the constitution's been circumvented, but it's very clear that gold and silver coin are are the only tender for payment of debts. So mm -hmm. when I look at what happened in 1933 with FDR issuing this executive order, the the president, the highest office in the United States, stole all the real wealth from the American people. It was the ultimate act of treason. The only way people can pay debts is with gold, and the president took all the gold from the people. But the beautiful thing about understanding law in these things is that when there's these sort of like fraudulent acts, there has to be a remedy. Anytime a legislative body passes a statute that they must always create a remedy that that allows for the correction, bringing rightful order to that law. And that, mm. that, in that case at that time was House Joint Resolution 192, which stated that the government had the obligation to discharge and settle any debts which may occur in the American people's lives. Why? Because they had no real to pay back their debts. 
So there had to be this remedy that came through that kind of protected the president and the and Congress at the time from from lawsuits or treason or whatever. So they gave this remedy as a, as a way of coming through um, and, and protecting us. But what I, what I really started to get is it took all the real gold, the, all the real wealth. They gave us this remedy. But what did it mean if the United States was in bankruptcy and they took the American people's wealth? This gets into the whole debtor-creditor relationship. And mm -hmm. what I really got was that in that moment when the American people surrender their gold, they become the creditors to the federal debt. They credited the federal mm -hmm. government. A creditor is, is someone who extends credit to another party. That's what we think is happening when we go to a bank. They're the creditor. They're lending us that money. Well, that's exactly what the American people did back in 1933 when they loaned, gave by force their gold to the American, um, to the to the government. We the people are the original creditors, and once you once you get that, the whole system starts to unravel a bit. And instead of being the debtor burdened by this debt, you start you can start to assert your rights and really own the fact that we are the creditors, not the debtors, as the system purports. And it really starts to bring into this, um, like the spiritual the spiritual significance of this this whole system. Mm -hmm. And again, debt being slavery and, and credit being life. So, yeah, I'm going down some rabbit holes with this, but. Bring me back on track if you need to, Otto. No, I, I love this. I love this. Uh, you know what I even thought there for a second? <clears throat> you know, there, there's a push right now in, in, mainstream, in the main, mainstream narrative for reparations for the African-American black community. And I'm, I'm, I'm here listening to you, go, you know, talk about how they stole the gold, essentially, from everyone in the 1930s. So I'm like, whoa, what about the reparations for all the people that lost their gold? <laughs> you know, uh, but, but pushing that aside. You know, the, the one question that comes up that I feel like you answered in the description of this, of how this is all laid out, is the ethics behind this, you know, the morality. Um, as soon as I share this with someone, uh, and I'll share, man, it's, I was actually talking to my dad about this, and just, just opening the door of the conversation of, oh, no, yeah, we don't have to pay these bills because it's, only, you know, and I'm, that's the other thing, it seems like it's unconstitutional to pay anything or to pay bills because it's not real money. That's the other thing. Um, but he had an immediate response, an immediate emotional reaction. It was like, no, 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 that's, you can't do that. Like I, I pay my debts, I pay my debts. If, if, I, if, if I got a loan from someone, I pay the debt. And, and then as I started to describe, I was like, no, no, but, but there's no real money. It's not even the bank's money. We are crediting them and they are just giving it to us with interest for the thing that we approved. But there is such a conflict in the morality of it. So um, if you were to kind of break that down and disseminate that, uh, you know, other than the, the way you already have, how would you do that? Yeah. yeah, you're you're speaking right into something that's really present for me as I'm um, speaking with people on a daily basis about this, my wife included, you know, because um, at this yeah. point I've, I've discharged um, $46,500 worth of, of credit card debt. And wow. by discharge, I mean free from obligation. But right. I think the first thing to for everyone to do is to look up on Google what happens if I don't pay my credit card debt, right? And what you'll find, like, will will I go to jail? Which is like everyone's ultimate fear. I have a young daughter, and um, you know, the ultimate fear would be being taken away from my daughter because I didn't pay my debts. But you'll find that you won't go to jail. You can go to jail for lying, for for fraud, but you don't go to jail for not paying your debts. So I think that's the first thing for really people to 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 settle into and really, oh wait, okay. And then from there you can build up oh the credit score is kind of how how it it it, it regulates people's behavior because they want to have a good score and be a good boy and, and and do those things, which is important again if you want to buy a house, car, and and operate in the matrix. But the other thing to consider, and also going down that path, and I'll get to your question. Um, the other thing to think about then is if you don't pay your debts, you might you might get sued, right? You might get sued, but what happens what happens then? You're then court ordered to pay, um, which I've never been sued, so I can't speak into that. My partner with Abundance Codes has been sued, and his frame on it is, so what? It's so what, and you know your credit score will be impacted. But again, we already know that you can have anything removed from your credit score, and eventually debts are are wiped away anyways after after seven years. 
Um, so it's really just important to, to grasp that. The whole system is based off of fear and, and paying back these debts that are, 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 you know, that are there. But, but to answer your question on like the legality of this and the constitutional, like going back to the constitution and, and given the fact that we are not allowed to pay our debts back with anything but gold and um, silver coin, the whole debt system, as you were speaking into is, is built on fraud. It's, it's built on um, extracting us for real property, for real value through inflation, through the central banking system. So, so backing up a little bit and just really speaking into your question once again is you can't commit a fraud on top of a fraud, right? We're living in a fraudulent system. Therefore, like what happens on top of that, we're, we, well, we can either try to like be buried under the crushing debt and the inflation from central banks, you know, manipulating the economy and all these sort of things, or we can just like sit above that and realize that this is all fraud that's happening. And we can just start to play our chess pieces on top and, and, and make moves and build and build wealth. And I believe the best way to do that is leveraging credit instead of spending your own money, leveraging credit through the business credit process, and then also securing that wealth. So it's free from creditors, free from government overreach in the private through the process of uh, setting up a, a private irrevocable trust. I love this. <clears throat> you definitely uh, gave me a different perspective there on the way you layered it. And it's true. You can't, uh, uh, fraud is fraud. Uh, and if, if anything, if you fraud the fraud, you're in the right, <laughs> I guess that's, that's what it feels like is like, I, I'm correcting the fraud by doing it this way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, it's, 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 it's there's so much, um, yeah, there's so much in that people have so many different perceptions around it, especially like the older, yeah. you know, our parents and stuff like that it would totally blow their mind. If I told my dad that I discharged $50,000, he wouldn't, my, my mom really would probably would just, her head would spin. Um, I actually made a comment to her one time that I was helping people clean up their credit. And I was like, did you know you could get anything removed from your credit? And she's like, what? That doesn't seem fair. Like as if they should be punished for having, you know, bad right. so, that's the same, same responses that I get. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny how the, how the fear drives the actions. I mean, every time I talk to people about anything that I'm doing, uh, with crypto, with credit, with all this stuff, there's, there's always this like itch in the back that comes in, you know, and it builds and it builds and it builds. And then there's an explosion of like, nah, this is wrong. I can't do this. And it's yeah. like, but I just gave you all this information that is real and factual. Why yeah. can't you do it? Uh, the emotions drive the actions. Yeah, exactly. Um, so my, you know, just to keep it moving here and, and deepening this, um, you had mentioned something about OPM. I actually don't know what OPM is. What is OPM and how can we use OPM to build wealth? Yeah, exactly. Um, great question. Auto OPM. What I mean by that is other people's money. And as we've already discussed, ah. we're not actually using other people's money. And, and interestingly, um, as of 2020, so I'm assuming, you know, most of the people listening to this understand the Federal Reserve, which is a private corporation owned by foreign interests. It, it's we have this idea of fractional reserve banking, which operates in the United States. Right. So as of March 2020, the Federal Reserve set the, the reserve requirement for people to keep on hand at zero percent. Right. Which means potentially none of your money is actually in the bank. Now, there's. Mm -hmm nuances to that and they, they have to have some on hand for different expenses and stuff like that of course but essentially the governing body the central bank that runs the country says zero percent is what you got to keep on hand right so you're not actually getting other people's money but one way of framing using credit is using other people's money using the bank to to buy assets and that's what i've been speaking into a little bit before about you build up your personal credit by clearing out all negative marks you can get your debt discharge process going and clear out clear out fraudulent debt. But then on top of that, you can then start to establish an LLC. You start to build business credit and there's different things you can do to, to beef up your, your credit score on the business front. And then from that point, you're able to go in and build a relationship with a bank. You open up your accounts and you apply. There's, there's some like tricks to doing this all totally legal, just like nuances to playing the game that they've, 
you know, the, the, they gave us the board, we have to play it. So there's ways of, 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 um, yeah, there's, there was, there's ways to play in the game, but essentially what, what, what I'm talking about with that auto using other people's money, using the bank's money, the fake money, the, the zeros that are coming out of nothing to then go buy hard assets, whether that's starter scale of business, like go, you want to be off grid and start your farm, like use the bank's money, use, use that fake use that wealth or whatever that is to build real wealth for your family. So you can actually mm -hmm. leave a, a, a real tangible, a, a real tangible legacy, um, Auto and and getting back to the idea, like we started the conversation uh, around, this system has meant to built on fraud has been meant to trap us and perpetuate the system, but we can use it to build our freedom to to create a new path, and we do that by leveraging credit from the bank to build or buy hard assets. You know what I love about this is it just really speaks to the capacity that we have individually to alchemize, to really take whatever resource or tool in this reality and use it for good. Um, so essentially what you're saying is like, hey, take this fake debt vehicle and turn it into real world asset, real earth asset that is generational wealth. Uh, and that's an alchemization. That's a, that's a shifting perspective on what you're looking at and turning it into gold. So I, I love that. I love what you just said there. Yeah, exactly. Like literally turning um, it into gold or, or digital gold, but buying your Bitcoin or, or whatever you want to do, but ultimately using the fake paper to, to buy real, real hard assets. Exactly. Otto. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just realized I said, turn it into gold. I'm like, Oh, you can actually do that. <laughs> you can actually turn it into gold. Um, would you say, um, okay. Yeah. Yeah. What, 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 what is a better credit score to focus on? Would it be business credit or would it be personal credit? Like which one weighs better in that system? Yeah, it's important to, I mean, it's, it's both. Um, in order to get the max amount, when I'm saying like 100K or more, which is, is very real for, for people, you have to have good personal credit, right? You got you to gotta have a clean yeah. score. Like I said, 680 or above, you can get 720 or above. You're in really good standing. The, the things to look at on your credit score, like everyone can pull up a Credit Karma account, Right now, it's totally free. It's not always completely updated, but it, it'll give you a great landscape to look at. There's there's six main factors that are playing into your into your credit score. It's your payment history, meaning have you had any late late payments? That's one of like the biggest hits. So if you had any late payments, it's not 100%. You need to get those removed. And there's a relatively simple process to doing that. Look, seems I don't know if you've removed late payments yet or not, Auto, but it sounds like you're doing some of this stuff anyway. So that's just one area to take. The other thing to think about is derogatory marks. Those are the foreclosures, bankruptcies, anything that's negative on your on your um, underscore that's going to hit it. And the the, the other thing, and ideally, you want to have at least ten accounts open in good standing, and that can be um, it could be your well, your credit cards, obviously, but also like cars, any just sort of like monthly payments. And if you don't have ten, you can get what are called tray lines. You can get these accounts that are going that show up on your account as in good standing. So you, so you meet that requirement of 10, you want to have an ideal credit age of seven years, but if it's less than that, like no big deal, but you just want to be starting from scratch. And then ideally want your credit card usage to be under 10%. All right. And again, there's these idea of trade lines where you can buy credit. You become an authorized user on someone else's account. So you can extend your credit. So let's say you're at 50% uh, of your credit card usage you're going to be a lot more risky in the bank's eyes. So they're going to not be as likely to lend you money or as much money potentially. But if you get on become an authorized user on your, your parents account or a friend or family that has a credit card that's sitting there, that's under 10% utilization, or you can go buy a trade line, trade line supplies, a company that you can do this at, you're going to reduce. Which is amazing the by the way. I just want to say I had never heard of trade lines and that blew my mind. I didn't know you could do that. <laughs> so, but yes, please continue. No, exactly. It, it it blew my mind too, Otto. I mean, just like people are overwhelmed with 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 debt, but you spend a little, a few hundred dollars, and you can significantly lower your credit card usage, which is going to open you up to that much more credit. All right. So I'm getting in. I'm getting yeah. to the ins and outs of credit because it is important if you want to have access to 150, 100k or more. You're going to have to look trustworthy in the eyes of the bank, and that the way that, what they're going to do is look at your at your credit score. So that's the starting mm -hmm. point for sure. And if you're if you're not so so everyone needs to like break out their credit karma account, 
see where they're at, see what needs to be moved around, see what needs to be added, see what needs to be removed. But once your score is cleaned and it, like you said, yours popped up 75 points in, you know, a month, right? So give it a couple months of working on this, which is exactly what we help you do at Abundance Codes. We have an Abundance Codes Accelerator where we walk you step-by-step through this process in community with like-minded people so you can get it done and get it done quickly. That way, and if that's all you want to do and you want to, you know, buy a house then because your credit scores, you get approved for a low interest rate and these sort of things, you're going to like literally save tens of thousands of dollars over the course of, of that loan. And so that's, you know, that's worth it. That's worth it enough. But then you build on top of that. If you're ready to build wealth, which includes from my perspective, real hard assets you can pass on to your children, then once your credit score is clean, you're going to be able to leverage business credit, which is what we talked about before. You go into the, the bank, you play you play their game, you open up a couple of business accounts, you start to build business credit if you need to, which like, for example, the trade lines on your personal account, you can do the same thing on um, on your business account. You get trade lines, you get accounts opened. So you, again, you have that more, um, yeah, it just seems like you're more of a, uh, a, a trustworthy in the eyes of the bank borrower because yeah. you have stuff going on. That's what you're essentially doing. And there's ways that you can apply then that open you up to a lot higher limits as far as credit. And on the business side, you can oftentimes get at this at 0% for like 12 months. So you, if you mm-hmm. have a, a real business idea or real assets to invest in, like in a matter of a few months, you can actually have access to the capital. I mean, depending on your credit, you could, if your credit's good, you could do it like within the month. You could have access to $100,000 of not your own money, very little risk, and you can then transition that debt fake money we've talked about into real hard assets that are going to provide for you and your family, generate cash flowing revenue, whatever it is that you aspire to create in the world. Like now's the time to clean up your credit clear out your debts and step into this idea of understanding how powerful credit can be used in your life. Yes. Now is the time. It really is the time. Uh, I feel like 2023 is the year to really open eyes and start to take action steps. Uh, Cause I don't think we have much longer. I really don't. I, I think we have maybe 30 months left on this current system and how it's structured. Uh, something has yeah. to give. I mean, we just heard recently Janet Yellen, which is a secretary of treasury say that they're going to run out of money by as early as June 1st, 2023. And so there's two options. You default on payments or you increase the debt ceiling and either one doesn't look good for us individually. Um, So just to kind of uh, wrap it up here with a few more questions, what is your perspective on crypto blockchain? How is, how, how is this ecosystem, these new tools um, being utilized or how can they be utilized to help us disconnect from these systems and not be a part of it anymore. Yeah, hundred percent auto. And, and this is why we were, I was in your crypto class last year. Highly recommend that for anyone listening who's, who's considering it. Um, you know, we don't know who Satoshi Nakamoto is. Um, we, we don't understand some of these things, but some of them are very clear. And the way I'm looking at this is like, we have been gifted an opportunity to, to move into this decentralized future that we we need, that humanity needs, that our families need to stay forever healthy, wealthy, and free. And if we don't take advantage of that, we're clinging to those old systems to protect us, to save us. We're gonna be we're gonna be on the wrong side of history, I believe. So I think these these are tools, these are opportunities right here for us to create real wealth, real wealth in the form of these digital assets that will continue to provide for for our family. And that's exactly what I've done with with my business credit. I've been able to invest in like high level masterminds, investment clubs, where I can get access to early stage crypto, AI, web three startups, invest in those so I can build real wealth for my family. I'm heavily invested in cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and Ethereum and a lot of other altcoins and really truly believe that these are the assets of the future. And that no matter what happens with the CBDC or the banks or whatever, if we have a way to transact with, with each other, they can't stop us. The way they control us is through money, through debt, through money. Yeah. But if we have a way around that, which we do with Bitcoin and these cryptocurrencies that are decentralized, we set ourselves up well, up well with hard assets and we protect that in the private domain with a private irrevocable trust, then, I mean, there's nothing they can do to us short of like cutting the food supplies and ultimately like 
moving us into FEMA camps and totally controlling us. And that's when it's like, you know, game on kind of thing. But what I've learned, mm -hmm. what it's given me a lot of hope is as although the, the, you know, this whole system's built on fraud and they've circumvented the constitution and they're working through these contract laws and this admiralty law and all these sort of things, which I know Aaron got into. So I won't get into that now. They're, they're following their own rules, right? So we mm -hmm. just need to learn the rules that they're playing by and follow the exact same rules. And that's exactly what the, the, what I mean by the cheat codes of credit, like literally US code, which I've read a couple of them to you. There's a lot more to go deeper, but essentially we get to use those codes, use the system that they're using to extract from us and build the wealth, build the decentralization, build the freedom that we desire for our families moving into the future. I love that answer. You know, it, 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 it came to me again, this, this saying that I've been saying recently, that it's not a fight. We're not fighting. We're not protesting the systems. The, these, these leaders, so-called leaders or politicians, they're doing what the system is built for. <laughs> they're yeah. literally just doing the legal law, the legal, uh, hierarchy of that system. So we can't, it's not about fighting. It's about yeah. remembering you know, remembering who we are individually and then doing the research to know how to play the game right and playing it just like they do. Exactly. Um, thank you so much, uh, Jesse, for all of this. This was a very powerful interview. I think uh, a lot of layers here, a lot of practical steps that everyone can start taking for themselves. Um, you know, when I teach my classes, one of the first steps that I suggest is, hey, go check out your credit. You know, that's in their system. Clean that up. You know, there is a path here to create, to take back our wealth and secure our savings, but you know, why just do the one, uh, navigate the other reality and learn how to play that game the right way. So this is definitely a first, first good step to take. So yeah. one last question, Jesse, um, for everyone here listening, you're standing in front of millions of people. You have two minutes to leave them with something or not two minutes, you just have you know, a few minutes to say something. What do you, what do you leave them with? That's a good one. I learned recently about astrology, actually. It's, it has to do with Pluto and Aquarius and these sort of things. But either, I won't get too far into that. But what, what, it, what it symbolizes is, um, pl well, Pluto's in Aquarius, which I don't know what that really means, other than the fact that the last time it was in, that was the case, was during the American Revolution. Mm -hmm. 250 years ago, right? Every 250 years is the changing of the world order. 250 years ago, we had that American revolution, but 250 years before that, we had the Protestant Reformation. I've been studying my human design and, and learning a bit about that. Even in, in human design, there's this idea of an era. And in 2027, we're at the end of an era. Every 80 to 100 years is a shift that changes how society operates. There's a 80 year financial revolution cycle and every 50 years is a technological revolution cycle. Mm -hmm. The way I see this, all of these cycles are converging on us here now. And what we do collectively in the coming months and years, I believe will determine the fate of humanity, literally. And what, what you do now with your family will have an impact for generations to come. So I say, why not be the one to break the cycles of scarcity in your family tree? Why not step up with your ideas and your inspiration and make something manifest in this world that is of substance and value for your children and their children? I, I think this is the greatest opportunity auto for, for people to build real wealth for their families. And the beautiful thing about what I'm offering here is you don't even have to use your own money. And it doesn't matter if you have poor credit or even high debt, you can trade all that in for real hard income generating assets. So that's what I say. I say, step into the arena, get off the sidelines. You got a reason why you're listening to this. You've got a reason why you're here. Now let's use the, the hands we've been dealt to make something manifest in this world that is a value that you can pass on and you can leave a legacy for your children. Thank you, Jesse. Wow. Yes. Yes. That's it. That's what it is. You know, there's this like, it's almost just like this perspective of, 
uh, oh, I gotta, I gotta help change the world. And it's like, nah, man, change your family. <laughs> Focus yeah. on your family and your generational wealth. Because uh, yeah. I, I do believe as well that if, you, if we all do that, that's it, it's game over. You know, because there's no way to control individuals uh, that are entrepreneurs that are, you know, with this drive to create the generational wealth for their family. So thank you, Jesse. That was a really powerful share there. Thank you for this interview. Thank you for your time. Uh, if you guys want to connect with Jesse and uh, Taylor, Papa Forrest, uh, they're both on Instagram. Jesse's action underscore Jesse. And uh, Taylor is Papa underscore Forrest or Papa Forrest yeah. altogether. I think yeah. I'll also do, also do that. I can't remember exactly. Right. But, okay. Yeah. It's, um, it's uh, just, just search for him on Instagram or you can go to their website, abundancecodes.org. Make sure you sign up. If you guys are a part of my community, make sure you reach out to me. I do have a discount code to access that for yourself. Um, so make sure you start doing it. This is it. This is the time. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. Well, thank you, Jesse. I really appreciate your time, your effort. Um, and I really want to do this again because I know that there's more questions. I know that there's deeper layers here that we need to really understand. So thank you. Yeah, Otto, thanks so much for having me on and I'm happy to do it again sometime. And also just want to offer to your audience is still listening, be happy to offer a free credit strategy session. So if you're like, oh my God, this seems amazing. How do I act upon this now? Um, Otto, I'm going to share with you my, my personal calendar link and the first five people that sign up via that, I'm going to offer a free strategy session. So um, please, if you're listening to this, take advantage of that. Please get into the action, whatever you do. And um, let's step into abundance together. Yes, we'll do. You guys heard that? Make sure you check it out. Click on the link and get that free uh, consult. This is this is the dude that you want to talk to to start your process. All right. Thank you guys for listening. And always remember, gamify your abundance. I love you guys.